Well, good morning, church family. Amen. It's good to get to come together and worship as always. A couple of things real quick before we dive into the word. There's three really exciting things kicking off this week. Um, And two of them today. One of them, as you can see, today we're kicking off our 21 days of prayer. I'll talk about that a little bit more in our message because it's going to be very tied in uh, to the series that we're going to be doing for the next four weeks on being a praying church. My hope and my prayer is that Word of Grace would be a praying church. Amen? And then beyond that, today we have kicking off the family table. And if you haven't heard of that, that's the first Sunday of every month. We're allowing different ministries and or partners of our church to host a lunch or brunch, if you come to first service, I suppose, um, to where after service is over, we can go out there and enjoy fellowshipping together, digging deeper into relationships, checking on each other, praying for each other, while also enjoying some good food and raising funds towards a good cause. For example, today, um, every penny that's raised from our family table is going to go towards our Word of Grace women's ministry. And so I'm very excited about that, thankful for that, and thankful to all the ladies and helpers who are helping make that happen. Another exciting thing starting this Wednesday is our launch of midweek with um, something specifically tailored to all ages, not just youth anymore. So you can come with your kids. You can send your youth to youth. You can let your kids go into an incredible program of, um, that, that Gabby's been procuring for the kids as well. There's going to be uh, classes and offerings for adults as well as even just prayer. And so if you want more information or want to get registered for your kids for that or for you uh, to get registered for that, um, you can go to the website and do just that. All right, before we get into the word, let's pray. Lord, would you help? Would you guide what I say? Would you guide what we hear? Would you transform our hearts? Would you open our eyes? Would you let us see and believe and respond to the truth? Lord, I ask that you would make our church a praying church, that we would be a church that has a heartbeat of prayer that it wouldn't just be words on our wall that we prioritize prayer, but it would be words in our DNA of our heart and our church culture, that we would be a people who pray often and always and for everything, everywhere, for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Philippians 4.6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 
Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. I'll, I'll take a break there. That's just seven verses really quickly to just give a little um, appetizer of what the word of God has to say to us about prayer. It's calls to us to prayer. Did you know that there are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. 650 prayers are listed from Genesis to Revelation. There are also approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. 450 recorded answers to prayer. The Bible also records 25 different times in Jesus's earthly ministry that he prayed. 25 different accounts of Jesus praying are captured in the Gospels. And even beyond those 25 times that are captured, we see it say things like, and Jesus went away early to pray as was his custom. So we can see that the lifestyle, the routine, the habit that Jesus had to go away early and get away from everyone else to a secluded place to pray or go out late afterwards that Jesus had, of course, a life of prayer. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul alone mentions prayer 41 times. Prayer and Scripture are the breathing in and breathing out of Christianity. Man, we want to be a church that is a biblical church, a Bible church that knows and loves the Word, that consumes, eats, lives off of the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, inhaling God's word. And we want to be a people that exhale prayer, that we would follow Jesus' example, the apostles' example, the patriarchs of the faith and their example, and the clear commands of scripture to be a people who would pray. Today, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. Today, we're talking about why. Why pray? Because let's be honest, if I said to all of you today, hey, should we pray? The only person who's saying no is trying to sarcastically be funny or someone who just doesn't believe. Every single one of us who's a believer in Jesus Christ, if I ask you one-on-one, hey, should we pray? You can immediately spit out the easiest Sunday school answer of all time and say, yes, of course we should pray? Should we all pray more than we do? I think it's easy to say yes, even if you're the most frequent and uh, constant prayer in our church. I think all of us could pray more. I'm not up here today to go, come on guys, you're not doing enough, so come on, do more. Hike up your bootstraps, we stink at praying, let's get better. Because that never motivates anyone. Well, it might for a couple days. A couple days we can take that challenge, that inspiration and go, oh man, he's right. The Bible does say so. We need to be a people of prayer. Today I want to behold more what causes prayer and why we pray. The very first and most elementary reason why pray, because we're commanded to. Man, we don't have to get any further than that. Do we, have, we don't need other motivations Beyond seeing, man, we are commanded by God uh, through the mouths of prophets, through the mouths of patriarchs, through the mouths and pens of apostles, 
to pray. We are commanded to pray without ceasing. We just read that in 1 Thessalonians 5 earlier. We are commanded to pray in all places for all people. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are commanded to pray about everything. We just read that in Philippians 4 and in uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Those are just a few, a few for time's sake, of the many, many, many commands in Scripture that we have to pray. And at a fundamental level, Prayer is a matter of obedience because we are commanded to pray. And you might now start sitting there thinking, now don't talk to me about obedience, Pastor Stephen, because that's going to start drifting in to legalism. If you're making my faith in God and, and my spiritual disciplines like prayer or reading the Bible or doing other things that we know we're supposed to do, if you're telling me that I need to do it because I'm commanded to do it, then you're pushing me into legalism and I don't want to be legalistic. Listen. Jesus himself, our Lord, which is an authority title, said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. I can say a whole lot more about that, but that's not the point of the sermon today. But don't let people convince you that desiring to and striving to obey God by the grace of God, out of love for God, don't let them convince you that that's legalism. If it's by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit in you, empowering you to do what you can't do on your own by your willpower, and if it's done out of love for him, desiring to please him because you love him, don't let people tell you that you're being legalistic. That's like going to the husband, to the wife, of a couple that you see and know that have love for each other and go, yeah, we're pretty strict on our, we, we date at least once a month. Well, that's pretty legalistic, that expectation. No, it's love. And don't let people throw legalism on your love. Amen. First John 5, 1 through 3 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him, meaning we love each other. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. To the child of God, I would say. And if the command to prayer is a burden to you, man, that means that's reason to really look in the mirror and go, man, do I really know God? Do I really believe in God? Do I really love God? Because if so, 1 John's telling us that his commands are not burdensome. They ought to be a joyful delight for us. That's exactly why the most elementary reason to pray is because at the most basic level, it's a command to us over and over and over in Scripture. But, like every command of God, God desires that we would want, that we would desire to obey, that we would want to please Him. We would want to spend time with Him in prayer. This is why the new covenant that we live in, that Ezekiel prophesied about and that Jeremiah prophesied about, talked about that there's a new covenant coming where God would remove the stony, stubborn, hardened heart and replace it with a heart of flesh that is tender and responsive to God's commands. 
where God would not lead his people by the hand, but by the heart. And he would write his law, a.k.a. his commands, on their heart. Friend, brother, sister, if the Spirit of God has come in you, he has begun working in you a love for God and the things of God. And the challenge and the problem, the obstacle oftentimes is that people come and hear and learn of the things that we're supposed to do, like pray. And they go, oh, okay, I want to be a good Christian person. Well, I better pray. All right, I'm going to pray. Oh, this isn't really my thing. Oh, and there's that burden, that obligation, that yoke that we take upon our back. But to the individual who has beheld the glory of Jesus Christ on the cross, in the empty tomb, and in the indwelling presence of God within us, to that person who has gazed upon the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the invaluable treasure that is Jesus Christ, to where it has sunk into their hearts, to where it steers their lives, steers their motives, steers their desires, steers their passions, steers their schedule, steers their finances, steers their relationships, steers every area of their lives, to that person, those commands are a delight. God wants us to want. And every single parent can agree with this when you said, apologize to your sister. Sorry. No. Say it. The meaning it, though, has to come from the heart. And oftentimes that takes the child having a minute. That's why at the most elementary basic level, motivation for prayer is that God commands it. Yet, at the highest and purest and most God-glorifying level, we pray because we want to. Brother, sister, Stephen, when we don't want to, we need to wrestle with why we don't want to. Could be that you've never been made new by the Spirit of God. Could be that you've so starved your spirit that you don't have an appetite for the things of the Spirit and your flesh is leading. Number two, why we pray? I just hinted at it a whole lot. Because we love God. Because we love God. See, prayer comes from, overflows out of a heart that loves God. To the extent that if we are not prone to pray, if we don't desire to pray, if we don't prioritize prayer, it's cause for serious evaluation and self-examination, looking in the mirror. Listen, if we don't truly know God, we will never truly love God. If we don't truly love God, we will never be a people of prayer. Rather, we would be a people who see prayer as this dutiful obligation or as that 911 last resort when, oh man, the poop hit the fan and I can't fix this, so God, help. Listen, for the heart that loves God, delights in him, Prayer is not a last resort, but a first inclination. If you have true, deep, genuine love for God in your heart, prayer is not that last resort where we go, man, I've tried everything else. I've tried everything I could do. I guess all I can do now is pray. No, the inclination of the child of God who loves God, their first inclination is, let's pray. I got to pray. I need to stop and pray. Can we pray? Let me pray with you. 
How about we pray? Let me pray. Let's pray. Should we pray? Let's pray. A deep, sincere, passionate love for God causes someone to live a life of prayer. You've never seen a person who is a prayer warrior. You've never seen a person who lives a life of prayer that does not first have a love for God. So a life of prayer begins with knowing and loving God. It's just like when you begin dating someone. And hopefully, as you stay married or get married and then stay married as you progress in your relationship... Who is the person that you probably talk to the most throughout the day, text the most throughout the day? Well, especially when you're dating, getting to know someone, it's that significant other. Hopefully in healthy marriages, it is also our spouse. Why? Because you have someone that you love with all your heart, who you devoted yourself to for the rest of your life. You share in all things together, and therefore you want to confer with them and talk with them and share with them in all the highs and in all the lows, and the cute little silly and in the ugly and messy, and everything at all times. The person that you love the most is the one that you want to keep coming back to with whatever is going on. This is the heart of someone who loves God. Prayer comes most naturally, most faithfully from a heart that loves God. Number three, why pray? Because God answers. Do we believe that? Why pray? Because God answers. God answers our prayer. God has chosen to move through the prayers of his people. This is the the avenue, the means he has chosen to operate. Listen, God does not need a single one of us. Man, if you think God needs you, go ahead and drink a little bit of a dose of reality check and humility. God does not need anyone. God chooses to use us. Why? Because he gets glory from us humbling ourselves in prayer and acknowledging, God, I can't do this. You can. Would you do it? Because then when it happens, we get to go, I didn't do that. God did. Praise God. God gets glory in answering our prayer. This is why God chose to use the means of prayer. God could do anything and everything he wants. He could save every person by whatever means he wanted to. The means he chose was the vehicle of your and my prayer. We pray because God has answered, or God answers. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Psalm 66, 19. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Proverbs 15, In 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Mark 11, 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14, 13 through 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Guys, do we believe this? Do we really believe this? I I think 
at, at least we go in and out of believing it. Because if we really believe that all we have to do is ask God to do things and he will do them, we would ask a whole lot more. You couldn't get us to stop praying. You couldn't get us to stop asking. If we believe wars on the other side of the world could be changed by our asking in Sheboygan County, we would be asking a lot more. If we believe that the starving could be fed by our asking for provision, we would be asking a lot more. If we believe that God could heal the cancer or the disease or whatever ailment it might be, we would be asking a lot more. And I think at a a mental ascent level, every single one of us is going, yeah, we believe God can do anything. Do we though? I think we could ask a lot more and a lot bigger. I think sometimes, whether it's because God didn't answer our prayers in the timing we wanted or in the way that we wanted, or maybe sometimes it, it seems like he didn't answer them at all. Sometimes we can throw up our hands and go, well, why bother? And that's where I, I find great comfort in 1 John five fourteen and 15, where John said, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That's such a key verse. And that's such a powerful promise and a, a comfort to me when I don't get what I ask for the way I ask for it or when I ask for it. I am going to quote good old Garth Brooks up here today. Thank God for unanswered prayer. How many of you can say amen to that? Man, I prayed before that God would let me marry a certain girl, and I thank God he said no through her breaking up with me. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank God for unanswered prayers. And every parent once more can know this truth as they parent When their kids ask them for things that the parent knows is not what's best for them, even though the kid thinks it's what's best for them, and the parent in their love for the child has to say no, and the child pitches the fit and thinks that the decision is bad and unjust and wrong and terrible and evil. It's like, I just said you can't play Nintendo anymore. (laughs) Why? Because I know it's not good for my daughters to do that for an extended amount of time. I don't give them what they want sometimes because I love them. Not because I didn't hear their request, but because I care about them and I want what's best for them. Listen, here's the other beautiful thing about this verse where John said, this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that if he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. Man, here's what I I also take from that. Listen, if you come to me and you say, Stephen, man, I don't feel well. I'm sick. I've got X, Y, Z, whatever it might be, or I've got an injury or some ailment or some whatever. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask God to heal you every time. Every time. Every time. And then, in whatever, I'm going to just trust God with the outcome. That's all I'm going to do, is I'm going to ask God for it, and I'm going to trust that God knows what's best. If you're struggling financially, I'm going to ask God to meet your needs. I'm going to ask him to provide. Sometimes that provision might be in the form of learning better stewardship. 
Sometime that provision might come some miracle way. I'm going to ask what I think would be best. I'm going to ask what I think God would want. And I'm going to trust the infinitely wise God to answer my prayers in the way that pleases him and gives him the most glory and is best for you. Amen. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, I'm going to ask God to fix it, but always with the understanding that God is sovereign. He knows what we don't. He knows what's best for us. And if he doesn't answer the way we want or the time we want or even what we want, then it's incumbent upon me as his child to trust in him. And trust that 1 Corinthians 13 explains to us that on the other side of eternity... We will all see and understand all the things right now that we can't see and can't understand. All your why God moments, all your questions of God, why would you allow? God, why could this, how could you let this happen? God, why not? Why this? Why all that? 1 Corinthians 13 explains to us that once we get to the other side of eternity, we will know all of those things. And I'm telling you this, when you get to that place, On that side, from God's perspective, you'll go, oh, thank you. Thank you. You were good all along. Even when I didn't see it, even when I didn't like it, even when I didn't understand it, you were good all along. But we should not let or not be willing to let our lack of asking be what causes a lack of answering. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The apostle James in James chapter 4 and verse 2 said, you do not have because you do not ask. And I, I, I did a sermon on prayer last year about asking. And I'd encourage you, if you want to, to go back and look that up because it's essentially teaching. Prayer is taught in scripture as something we ask. We ask God for things. Uh, there's theology of declaring and decreeing things, and, and you never see an apostle actually say to do that, or Jesus say, hey, declare and decree, but what you do see him just say, and the apostles do say is ask, ask, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe, and you'll receive them. Asking, 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 and then trusting the Father. Man, let's be a people who ask big and often. Let's be a people who ask God big and often. Listen, we want to ask God to do things that we just have to step back and go, there's no stinking way I could have done that. Man, don't we want to have the church where God is working in people's hearts and lives for transformation and salvation, bringing people out of the pit of sin and making them new, bringing them into the newness of life in Christ in such a way that we can just step back and go, man, look what God did. I didn't do that. Don't we want to see God working in and through our church in a way that we can just sit here going, (laughs) only God could have done that. And I long for that, do you? Do you? Amen. Number four, why pray? Similar to the point earlier, why pray? Because we love God. This, this one is similar relative. Why pray? Because we love others. The same way that prayer flows out from a heart that loves God, prayer flows out from a heart that loves God and therefore also loves people. 
If you love people and care about what's best for them and you long to see them saved by the grace of God, you long to see them fulfilled in God's purposes for them, you long to see them healed, you long to see them walking in all that God has for them, and you believe that God is all-powerful and can do anything, and that God chooses to move through the vehicle of his people's prayers, then there is nothing more loving we can do than legitimately, sincerely, genuinely pray for people. Not praying for other people is like, like having a remedy that someone else needs. and going, man, I'd share this with them. I'd help them out, but it uh, could get awkward. <laughs> I don't really have the energy to right now, so I hope it works out for them. And that's careless. It's heartless. That's kind of mean. If you have a means to help someone, and you just go, hope it works out for them. Further, if we're talking about the gravity of salvation, it'd almost be like being a passenger on a ship, and you're enjoying the beautiful voyage to and from wherever, and out in the water, and you're far out in the water. You see somebody out in the water, treading water, no, no life preserver, no life jacket, no boat, no raft, nothing. They're just sitting there and they're going, help, help. And you go, man, that's really got to stink. Hope it works out for them because our ship is going this way. So they're not on our path. No, of course Care for that individual would cause you to go, Captain, Captain, would you divert, would you, there's someone, man overboard. You'd be pleading. You'd be doing everything you could to make something happen, even though you in and of your own ability don't have it in you to jump out there and save them. And go, Captain, would you? We want to be a people who throw out the line of prayer, recognizing we have a part to play in sharing the word and loving others and in praying for others, being kind to others. But man, if God is not the one at work, then we are working in vain. Let's be a people who don't just say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Let's not be that church, but let's be the church who goes, hey, I hate that you're going through that. Can I pray with you right now? That sounds terrible. Can I pray for you? I hate that you're not feeling well. Can, can I pray for you right now? I hate that your family's going through that. Can we pray right now? And maybe somebody will say no. You go, oh, okay. Well, I will be praying for you. And if they're like, don't, it's like, well, I'm gonna. <laughs> Can't stop it. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, do you have a loved one? a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone in your life that doesn't know the Lord and is hardened against him? Let me ask you this. Are you trusting more in your ability to make sure that you craft the right things to say more than you are trusting in God through your prayer? Are you trying to research and study apologetics and the arguments to the things that they're bringing up and their objections to God to make sure that you have the right answer to say? Are you going, God, would you soften their heart? Because your arguments can't soften someone's heart. They're good. They're helpful. Scripture tells us to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us. But listen, if there's someone in your heart, in your life, that you want to see come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ to find salvation, 
How often are you bringing them before the Lord in prayer? Parents, if you have a child that's away from the Lord, I've had heartbreaking conversations with some of you crying together over your kids, of your kids who are away from the Lord. And my challenge to parents, I've had some parents talk to me before grieved and broken over their kids' sin and, and, and asking, you know, are they going to be okay? And I'm going, I don't want to rob you of the conviction to be praying consistently, faithfully, over and over, passionately with faith for your kids, pleading with God, asking God, please save them. God, would you save them? God, would you send people across their path to plant seeds? God, would you send people across their path to water seeds? God, would you soften their heart to the gospel? God, would you open their eyes to see their need for Jesus? God, would you bring them, please, to saving faith and repentance? Because listen, friends, we can say all the right things, we can do all the right things, but if the Holy Spirit does not open eyes, soften hearts, and help people see the spiritual truths that are being brought to them, it will fall on bad soil. Only the Lord can cultivate a heart into being good soil. This is why we plead with the Lord for those whom we love. Five, why pray? Because if our lives don't require prayer, are we really doing things that are worth our time? If our lives don't require us to pray, are we really doing things that at the end of our life we're going to want to hang our hat on and go, yeah, that's how I lived? Because if your life doesn't compel you to pray, then that means you're living in a way that you're confident you can do it all. That means you're confident that you've got this. One of my favorite quotes about prayer is by an author, Jared C. Wilson, in his book, Purpose Driven, or not Purpose Driven, Gospel Driven Church. He says, he said, prayer is expressed helplessness. And so often as we are not praying, we are saying, God, I've got this. As often as we're not prayerful, we're saying, I've got this, God. I'm good. Don't need your help. I've got this. And sometimes we can let our natural giftings get in the way where we go, man, this is something I'm good at. I don't need to pray about this. How much better could it be if you did pray? How much more when we ask God to be at work in and through us? Man, if we are only doing things that can be done without prayer, we are only doing things that we think we can do without God's help. As a church, if we are not a church that truly prioritizes prayer, then we're not really doing anything that I think we're going to be proud of on Judgment Day. When we stand before the Lord, we will have only been doing things that we're confident we could do on our own. Or will we have been doing the right things, things that we see in Scripture, but without God's help, without God's leading, without God's power, without God's wisdom? Did you know that you, you, can play a more important role in our weekly worship gathering through prayer than I do through preaching. Your prayers can make a bigger difference on Sunday morning than my preaching does. Why? Because I can study for hours and hours and I can craft the most perfectly articulate oration of a sermon that makes people go, wow. I mean, maybe. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't work on hearts, my words will fall on deaf ears. And it doesn't matter how true they are, if the Spirit of God is not at work 
in our midst. I beg you to pray for the church. Pray for our worship gatherings. Pray for our events. Pray for the family table, that it would be more than just a cool hangout, that meaningful, deep, relational connections would happen. Transformation and life change happens at the spiritual level, and this is why we pray. The lives that we are called to live as Christians are supernaturally designed. The life that God has for us cannot be done without God's help. Dying to yourself, we suck at that. We need God's help. Laying our lives down, preferring others, we need God's help. Walking in humility, we need God's help. Serving others with joy and gladness, we need God's help. Giving away our resources to advance the kingdom of God with a pure heart, we need God's help. Well, wait, I'm not very good at that. Talking to strangers, sharing our faith with others. We need God's help. I'm not good at that. I'm not good with words. I'm not a strong people person. I'm not that persuasive. That's not my gifting. All of those sound like really great reasons to pray and ask God to help you. Well, I really struggle reading the Bible. I struggle with scripture. I get distracted. I, I feel like it's over my head. I feel like I don't understand That sounds like a lot of good reasons to pray. I don't really like praying. I don't know how to pray. I struggle staying focused in prayer. Sounds like good reasons to pray. But I just told you I'm not good at praying. Watch this. God, would you help me pray? There was a good prayer. Let me give you the two most powerful words you can have in your vocabulary. Lord, help. You feel like you're not good at praying, like, I don't know how to pray that sounds really impressive. I don't know how to pray the way that you pray or whatever. Listen, God's not looking for your articulate words. In fact, one time he talked about don't pray like the Pharisees do who know how to say all the right things. So go in your closet and pray in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Listen, God is honored and glorified and pleased in these simple, Lord, help When you have a challenge at work, Lord, help. I don't feel well, Lord, help. Don't want to pray, Lord, help. Don't want to read your Bible, Lord, help. Confused by what you just read, Lord, help. Have a relational challenge with somebody you love, somebody you're close to, Lord, would you help? True prayer, this is Charles Spurgeon, true prayer is measured by weight, not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. It's the weight of our prayers, not the length of our prayers. And I think there are people who have said a simple, Lord, help, with more conviction, more belief, more genuineness, more sincerity, and therefore have got an answer compared to the most impressive Orational, articulate prayers. Listen, guys. If Jesus needed to pray, we do too. If our sinless Lord, who had the authority to say, peace be still to the storm, and it obeyed him, if he needed to pray, we do too. 
If he needed to get away from everyone else and have time with the Father, we do too. And we deceive ourselves if we think we don't. This next 21 days of prayer in our church, if you didn't grab one of these on the way in, please grab one on the way out. This is just a little handout for the next three weeks. On one side, you'll see a list of things to pray for every single day that we all as a church can be praying for these things together. Some of it's self-evaluational, some of it's self-renewal, some of it is for the church, some of it's for the world, the community, missions, the kingdom of God. And we have week one, week two, week three, minutes prayed on each day. This is where I wanna say that those check marks and lines are not for legalism, but to use as an opportunity to, to push ourselves to grow in prayer. And man, I, I prayed five minutes today. If you never pray, five minutes is an awesome win. If you pray five minutes a day, push for 10. If you pray for an hour a day, what does it look like to push for more? That's all that is, just for you to challenge yourself. On the back, when it's all folded up, write down your commitments. I'm asking all of you, I'm asking all of you to prayerfully consider how will you prioritize prayer one, in these 21 days of prayer, but in your life afterwards. For example, for me, I need a consistent bedtime so that I can have a consistent wake-up time and pray with the Lord. I can give myself excuses. I got so much on my plate. I'm so busy. I had to stay up late because of this or that. Or I could say there's nothing more important in my life than communion with the Lord through prayer every day, and therefore I've got to get consistent in this. What's the answer for you? Please write it down. Whatever it could be, could be multiple things. And then secondly, what will you fast? Fasting is simply telling our flesh no, taking something out of our life that will feed our flesh and replacing it with what will feed our spirit. It can be saying no to social media for the 21 days. It could be saying no to television for 21 days. I'd really encourage you to do something with food because that's where your flesh really screams at you. Man, when your body is saying, feed me, Dumbo, and you say, no, I'm going to spend time in prayer with the Lord, and your spirit is strengthened. The next time your flesh says, sin over here, it will feel good. Man, when you said no to your stomach, saying no to sin is easy. It's the beauty of fasting. And I want you to think as well of what the Lord could do in a person, in a family, in a church family, in our community, if we would truly become a praying church. Lord, let that be true of us. We wanna be a praying church. Let it be true, in Jesus' name, amen.